2, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 10. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church in Laodicea and for many other believers who I have never met personally. I want them to be encouraged and to knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to, uh, to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which in, is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as, you are, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth and you were, uh, you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this day you've given us. We thank you for this chance to uh, dive into your word, Lord, to dive into your truth. Lord, I ask that you would help us to leave all distractions uh, outside of this building, Lord. I, I ask you empty our hearts to make room for you today. You would empty our minds to make room for only you right now. Lord, I pray for those who are not with us this morning, uh, for those who are unable to be here for any one reason or another, Lord. We just ask that you would draw near to them today. You would help them to feel your presence, Lord. You would help them to feel your guiding hands in their lives. Lord, I ask that you would be with Pastor Doug as he comes to preach to us, Lord. Uh, I pray that his words would be yours. And Lord, that we would be able to take them in and understand what you would want from us just a little bit more today. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If I may be able to give to you uh, just a couple of notifications. The first one has to deal with, if you have not yet checked your mailbox and you are involved or looking to be involved in Vacation Bible School, there may be some forms in there that you need to fill out and make sure that as the office we get them. I walked by the uh, um, mailboxes this morning and I noticed that there were a couple of envelopes and individuals that maybe were not here last week, but if you're here this week, obviously, check your mailbox to make sure you've got those volunteering uh, uh, forms filled out and given to the office, please. Also, many of us over the, over the few years, really, have been praying, praying for uh, Bev uh, Byerly's uh, sister, Marsha. You know that uh, she is looking for a kidney transplant, and the good news is, is that kidney transplant is going to be uh, happening on this month, on the 28th of this month. But I have a thank you note. It says, Marcia would like to thank you for your cards and prayers sent to her in the past two years. She will go under, undergo uh, a kidney transplant on July the 28th. 
In fact, Denise Firster's uh, middle daughter, uh, JC, is the donor. And so pray for JC also, but continue to keep both of them in your prayers. Apparently, what I've been told is that the surgeon who will be removing a kidney from JC are just going to be handing it to the ones, doctors, who are going to be putting it in Marsha. So be praying for them. They'll be down at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital on the 28th. Now, when is it that they have to be down there, Bev? What date do they? I think the day before. The day before, the 27th, they need to be there. So uh, make sure you remember this particular situation. And again, thank you for all of you that have been encouragers to Marsha and her family. And uh, looking forward to hearing some hallelujahs come from the uh, surgery. That's that, that'll be happening, Lord willing, on the 28th. But it would be okay if the Lord returns before that. Amen? It'd be all right. And then she'll be totally healed anyway, so it's going to be great. But uh, we thank the Lord for that. This morning, we are in the fourth edition of 10. We've looked at previously the decline of a nation, the death of a nation, as it happens from a social aspect. The social aspect of the, the, the crisis of lawlessness, the, de the deepening, if you will, of even the, the debt of our country, the unbalanced, if you will, of income, and also the rise of the bureaucracy that seems to have encumbered in all areas of our lives. Those are three of ten systems or warnings that have been looked at from a historical perspective whereby other mighty cultures, other mighty empires have risen and have fallen in, because they've engaged themselves in those first three plus the next seven. This morning, though, we are going to go to a, a cultural crisis. We move from social now to culture. And the culture crisis is this, is the weakening of cultural foundations. The weakening of cultural foundations. And when we speak of the cultural foundations, one individual wrote this when he said, the basic unit of civilization, the family, is clearly in chaos in this country while the institutions of marriage and childbirth are under assault. Our culture is being foundationally stripped of that which has made it strong. And in fact, marriage and family have been changed in their definitions to include the fact that if you desire to marry your cat or dog in some cultures, you can do that and call them either husband or wife or whatever you wish to call them. We're under attack. Another individual wrote, social dis disintegration, rising crime, economic disorder, political disunity, educational failure, cultural degradation, and the deterioration of moral standards are undeniable factor in our daily lives. Let me ask you a question. I don't know if you've been able to see anything concerning, concerning one of the, our senators, Josh Hawley, how he interviewed 
a, a professor from Berkeley University in California. This particular professor is, uh, if you will, initiated by our president to hold a particular office in the federal government. And there was discussion on an issue of what is called a birthing parent. And Senator Holling said he, he wanted clarification from this particular professor of what she meant by that in her writings. She used that phrase continually. And Senator Holling said, now just to be clear for my own understanding, I need to ask you a question. When you refer to a birthing parent, are you referring to a woman? And the person said, no, I'm not. And then the conversation turned to the fact that there are some transgender women who have become men. They can be pregnant. And then the woman came back to, to Senator Howling and asked him a question. Do you believe men can get pregnant? And he said, no. Then in the next breath, she accused him of being transphobic. And then to go on, she said, it's your fault. And others who believe that same way that you do, that one in five transgenders, from women to men, one in five are committing suicide. It's our fault. Because we don't agree with them. It's the wiping away of our culture. To the point that no longer are you allowed to disagree. Because once you do, then you become an enemy. Whether you're right or wrong, whether you're correct or wrong, uh, doesn't matter. You must agree with what is happening in our country. If you don't, then you are on the other side of the pendulum. You are an enemy. The foundations that are being destroyed, or at least trying to be destroyed, is the first one is this, challenging authority. That became evident to me a number of years ago as I was driving behind a vehicle and they had a, a, a bumper sticker and the bumper sticker simply said, question all authority. Question all authority. The challenging of authority it falls under the political ideology known as liberalism is by definition a philosophy dedicated to overthrowing the status quo. What is first the liberal worldview came into being during the years of the Enlightenment which placed man rather than God at the center of the universe. Now, the Enlightenment years began in 1685 and went to the years of 1815, also known, if you will, as the Age of Reason. And it was during this time that philosophers and teachers began to introduce into the culture the belief that humanity can be changed and improved through science and reason. 
Even back then in those early years of enlightenment, there was an attack even upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know I'm really prejudiced in this area, but I really feel that the only thing that can change an individual is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing less than the gospel. For it is the power of God under salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. It, it is not empty man's philosophy. It is not tradition. It is God's word. And presently, we as a church, the church universal, if you will, is being looked at as being narrow-minded and out of touch. This whole enlightenment began in England and France as it held that man, by reason alone, could penetrate the secrets of nature and build a better world. Let me tell you what the secret of nature is. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. They wanted to build this better world, a utopia paradise. In time, they felt that all problems would be solved through social planning and rational action. Let me tell you what's happened. It's failed. We're not getting better as a society, as a culture. They believed in natural rights and they came to believe in change for the sake of change. But since this view is hostile by definition to the traditional foundations of culture, once any idea becomes accepted, and when it assumes the status of an established value, it comes to be seen as an orthodoxy that must be debunked and overthrown. Even in their changes over time, they needed more changes. 49 years ago, when the Supreme Court made a decision known as Roe versus Wade. I remember it being established under one principle, the well-being of the mother. If the mother's life was in danger, the Supreme Court said, then this is a viable way. Once that became established, then it began to be changed then it would change again. Not for the better, by the way, but for the worse. Senator Kanyon from Texas questioned the same individual on the validity of a child. When he said to this same individual that Josh Hawley had an inter interaction with, he said, when a baby is born, does that baby have value? The woman thought for a second and said, yes. 
Then he said, up to one minute before the child is born, does that baby have value? And the woman said, well, we like to believe that the birthing parent has enough common sense to do what they feel needs to be done. Senator Conyon said, wait a minute, I, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. So what you're saying is that a child that is about to be born and has not yet been born doesn't have any value. Is that what you're saying? And her statement was, well, we like to believe that the birthing parent has enough common sense to be able to accomplish what they feel needs to be done. It's been changed. It's interesting, back in the 60s, I know some of you have no idea what the 60s are. I'm glad you don't. Volatile time. But at the time, Hubert Humphrey, who was running for the president of the United States in the 1960s, said these words. Liberals recognize change as the inescapable law of society and action in response to change as the first duty of politics. Hubert Humphrey was a liberal progressive. And he looked for an opportunity to bring massive change. I found this quote from James Burnham when he writes, liberalism permits Western civilization to be reconciled to disillusion. For if Western civilization is wholly vanquished or altogether collapses, we or our children will be able to see that, that ending by the light of liberalism, not as a final defeat, but as a transition to a new and higher order in which mankind as a whole joins in a universal civilization that has risen above the parochial distinctions, divisions, and discriminations of the past. What a bunch of garbage. <laughs> and this is an intellectual. In other words, the introduction to a one world order. That can't be done when cultures are not in sync. And so over time, the destruction of our culture, the foundations of our world. One of the first ones, as you can see here, parochial, that means religion. You got to get rid of religion. You got to get rid of God. Now, I am not one that promotes destruction unless it's at the hand of God. But you might have seen in the news, it appears as a great number of individuals are all upset because the Georgian guidelines have been destroyed. Kind of wondering, what are the Georgian life guidelines? They were five 
pillars of granite that were situated in such a way that the light of the day could highlight a certain writing on each of the faces of these slabs. They are also known as the Ten Commandments of the New World Order. The first commandment of the New World Order is this, there shall be no more than 500 million people occupying this earth. The second commandment is, there will be no such thing as any mention of God in society at all. Someone, they have not yet found the perpetrator. They'll search for him more than they will for those individuals who burned down businesses and stuff a couple of years ago, but he's in trouble, he or she. Apparently, it was a remote control car that was loaded with explosives that they drove into this place at night, and they blew it up, and it ruined, can you, ruined these so badly that they had to all be taken down. Someone give me an amen. amen. I'm not one that is against or promotes lawlessness. But I can't help but say thank you, God. But with change comes loss. Change for the, self, for the sake of just change brings loss. Intellectuals, scholars, and others among the, among the so-called social elite have expressed an almost destructive fascination with change. They have done so with such passionate intensity that many ordinary people have been persuaded that any change is for the best and that anything new must be an improvement over the unhappiness and apparent chaos of our lives. How many of you are happy with your cell phones? Let me see your hands. They did a test one day. They put eight teenagers, now nothing against you teenagers, I, I understand that. They put eight teenagers in a room. Instead of talking to each other, they text each other right across the couch. That's an improvement? Well, the way some teenagers talk, yeah, that would be a great improvement. <laughs> you know, like you know, like, like, like you know, you know, you know, you know, like, no, I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. Change doesn't necessarily bring happiness. In fact, unfortunately, that's what the world is clamoring for. I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. And happiness is so nebulistic. What's happiness for one is not necessarily happiness for other. You can prove that in a football stadium every Sunday. Someone is not happy, and someone is happy. It's nebulous. Obviously, sensible, constructive change is essential 
to every organization. And a wise government, <laughs> you want to talk about a nebulistic word, a wise government will strive to be flexible and responsive to timely issues and trends that demand change. But change must never be an end in itself. On the other hand, government must be made responsive to the will of the people and not grow crusading for causes because man-made plagues are by far the worst disasters mankind must face. Number three, deterioration of foundations. Without understanding of a nation's history, future generations will condemn pride in their nation as dangerous nationalism. Do you realize that even presently, the Christian, the Christian church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, is referred to now as Christian nationalism. That's not a good word. That's a word that needs to be eradicated. And in our future studies, they're coming for us. They're coming. The separation of church and state has stripped at least an entire generation of their heritage of faith and values. And with the continual weakening of morality and faith, those that made our culture great will lead to the ultimate collapse of the entire nation. Reminds me of what the book of Judges enters when it says everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king in the land. This is an interesting statement. Someone said no nation that loses its reason to live or to exist can long survive. It's called Raison d'entrée. There's your French word, French phrase, the reason to live. When a nation loses its reason to exist, it can no longer survive. As time passes and as traditions and beliefs weaken, the foundational principles that were once considered essential to the nation and its great society came to be seen as old-fashioned and undesirable. The demoralization of America. The most destructive social forces in our culture today are, number one, 
Not going to like to see it, but here it is. Music that promotes the killing of policemen and the misuse of women. That's number one. According to psychologists, philosophers, it's what's going into the ears is what's determining the value of life. Right now, it's the killing of policemen and the misuse of women. Number two, the fixation on media outlets that indoctrinate with dangerous ideas about sex, violence, and flagrant disrespect for every form of authority. I, I, I need to make a comment here. That individual who lawlessly accosted a 10-year-old needs to be strung up by his privates. I don't care if he got into the country illegally or not. We'll make sure we change his mind why he's here. Ten-year-old There are some laws that I wish would, wouldn't have changed. To me, that individual needs to be chained around the neck and staked to the center of the town and the people given baseball bats. I am angry. I'm angry. And I'm angry that our media has not said something similar to what I've said. But they have used this 10-year-old girl as a trophy to promote abortion. I'm saddened that we've gotten to that place where individuals are nothing more than what can be used for a political statement. Forgive me for being upset. But when you look at the statistics, and you can find this article on the website of safehome.org, which was published in January of 2022, they go back to 2020, it says violent crime has climbed by 12% in United States cities. Violent crime, which includes murder, rape, and aggravated assault. The average U.S. city, I should clarify this, the average U.S. large city saw a rise of 25% or more in crimes of murder, rape, and aggravated assault. 
motor vehicle theft rose 48%. The city of Detroit led the nation both in murder and rape in 2020. The murder rate in small cities, which is less than 100,000 people, climbed by more than 80%. In Chicago, leads the United States with the most gun violence per capita of population. The loss of moral values due to the silencing of the importance of religion. The habits of the heart are the foundation of manners and morals required for life in a civilized society. But when the heart becomes stone, infiltrated by the philosophies that are anti-God, then all of a sudden, the principles of the word of God are removed from society. What is then generated is a society that operates on the principle of me. It's all about me. And without the foundation of absolute truth, the walls of a moral society begin to crumble and fall into chaos. The belief that the mind of man can bring its own heaven on earth has led to the progressive ideal of erasing God from our society. Religious morals and manners are replaced with progressive humanism in the form of the philosophy of wokeness and critical race theory. Those two need to have a month on their own of discussion. But time won't allow me, but let me at least give you a definition of what wokeness is. It is this. It is a mindset and posture that one sees the comprehensive inequity, inequity, let me read that again. Some of these things that just don't make sense to me. A mindset and posture that one sees the comprehensive inequity of our social order and strives to highlight power structures in society that stem from racial privilege. All of you are racists. Why? Because you're white. All of you. And you can't get away from it. And the sad thing with it is, dear people, is this. Is there are churches today that are having their people get on their knees and confess to God that they're white. That's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen. And once they do that, 
then they engage themselves in the active dissimulation and also aggressive opportunity to make society in the realm of equity. That means your money, your property, they have no problem in taking it and giving it to somebody else. And critical race theory comes under the heading of wokeness. The conclusion is this. Let me repeat the words once again. A nation that loses its reason to live or to exist cannot long survive. A nation does not have to be overrun by a foreign enemy to be utterly destroyed. Sometimes the most dreadful aliens are those who dine at your own table. Is there still hope? Yes. When the people of God come to the throne of God to bear their lives before God, then a nation can be restored back to God. That's what the writer of 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14 says. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, confessing their sins, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Next thing we can do is be sure to remain informed and in touch with your representative on these issues. Why is it, I would ask my representative, that we can no longer refer to a woman as the one who gives birth? Why is it that we must succumb to the changing of the identification of family and marriage in order to satisfy the smallest of population so that they feel okay? Would you mind explaining to me why it's okay for certain individuals to ransack cities and burn down buildings so that they can get their way. Why aren't they being investigated as heavily as those from January the 6th are being investigated? Why? For what good reason would you allow this to happen?
Here is the 19-page report from safehome.org that you can get. I keep this for my records, and it goes through every major city and the rise of crime, the percentages since 2020 to present day. What are we to do? Outside of God intervening through his church, through his word, through the power of his word, changing the hearts of men and women and children. Outside of that, I don't know if there is any hope. But we still have time. The end has not yet come. But I wonder about God's long suffering for a nation that has been blessed with so much and yet we've cast it off as a piece of bygone, old-fashioned junk. And we find ourselves in a present society of degradation and hopelessness. But God is still on the throne. He's still in charge. And I would pray and ask that he would give us one more opportunity for repentance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the news is not very encouraging. I know that. Sometimes I find myself feeling like the prophets of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, Isaiah. Not that I am a prophet. What I'm trying to communicate, O oh Lord God, is the truth that as a nation we need to come back to you. If that is ever possible, O oh Lord God, I ask that the church would be engaged in that endeavor. That we would seek in our own lives change that must take place in order to be used by a holy God. That we would stand upon the principles of the word of God that describe man, woman, family, marriage, government, society, because your word is breathed out and it is profitable for doctrine, for instruction, and for correction. that an individual can be fully equipped to live a life that would honor you. May we never forget that. 
May we never look to traditions of men or even the philosophies of emptiness. But do they match what you have to say in your word? For ultimately, that is the foundation of truth. Oh, Lord, many things that as a nation we can confess to you. We confess to you the senseless slaughter of unborn children. We confess to you the sin of greed, lawlessness, the sin of destruction of our foundations for even when we say for one nation under God indivisible those words are even becoming more and more a vapor forgive us O oh God that as a nation we've turned our back on you and now we face the days that we find ourselves in and we wonder is there hope yes there is hope in Jesus Christ for we have the gospel and may we be actively involved in sharing that and telling people of the good news that Jesus Christ died for their sins according to the scriptures was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And because of that, we can have new life, eternal life in Jesus Christ. May that be our model. May that be our desire in these days ahead. And I praise you in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.